let's talk about sex. So, Corey, I was pretty much enjoying the tips that we gave last week on Sexy Marriage Radio. As you recall, we talked about finding our own mate even more attractive. And you know, I know we do these for, for our listeners, but I got to tell you, I couldn't quite keep my hands off of the sailor. So it worked. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so we, we do know what we're talking about, at least in our yeah. own life. Yeah, you know, that reminds me why uh, when I first used to tell Paul, we're going to focus on making sexy marriages, his first response was, oh, that's good because you'll need lots of practice. <laughs> <laughs> need some work in the lab. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and that is the one thing, I mean, we, like we were just talking about off the air, that we hope that our listeners get a whole lot from what we're talking about, <laughs> but for sure we're getting some stuff out of what we're talking about. So, well, you are listening to Sexy Marriage Radio with Dr. Corey Allen and Gina Paris, and you can find us at sexymarriageradio.com, or we would love to hear from you if you want to call us in, leave us some information or a question. Call our feedback line at 615-567-3996 or email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And so today, for our show today, yep. we, we have had some uh, lots of messages and emails that have been piling up. And so... I know. I, our listeners probably don't realize how much you and I would pour through these emails and, and messages and we... You know, we look at what's the same and and what's going on, and and we know there's there's pain out there, but there's a lot of pleasure to be had out there. Absolutely, and there's lots of uh, lots of the emails that we've gotten thus far. There's this, there's a lot of common themes that we've helped kind of. That's what's helped steer our, our prior shows on the right. the ideas of desire and on the ideas of being more attracted to your spouse. So we, we've covered some of the emails and the questions we've had in general, but we haven't done specifics. And so today's show, Gina, if you're on board with this, let's just go through some emails and some questions and some voicemails and go straight at what some people are asking for. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we're going to hit the ground running with a voicemail that we got. It's been a week or so, so we are a little behind. So Michelle, we apologize that we have not uh, directly addressed this. But we're going to now, and this is edited a little bit to take out some of the length of from this message, but the the crux of what she's asking is is very important. So we're just going to play it, and then we'll we'll jump on board with the rest with with our and thoughts. Go before for you say that, I'll add too that length is okay because it gives us good background, so we can actually really help you. So don't worry if you call something and you're thinking that more detail will make it too long because we'll edit it and it helps us answer maybe more. Concisely. Absolutely, because there's very few step-by-step answers to one things, size fits all to, to things that happen in marriage because every single marriage is different. Exactly. And, but we can talk in generalities, but the more specific we can get with the information, the better. Yeah, very good. Okay, right. hit it. Um, my name is Michelle, and I just have a question. Um, my husband and I have been married for about 10 years, and it, when when we were dating, um, we had sex a lot, and now that I think back to it, it seems like I was probably always the one initiating it. Um, anyway, it seems like ever since we had our son, it's like he does not initiate sex. Um, he gets mad at me because we don't have sex, and he alludes to um, having me move out and basically get a divorce because I don't initiate sex. I mean, to me, it seems like that's all that he cares about 
when it comes to our marriage, you know, it doesn't really matter about cleaning the house or groceries or anything like that, doing laundry or anything like that. That doesn't really enter into anything for him, but he just is, you know, wants to have sex, but he will never initiate it. When we do have sex, he doesn't touch me at all. It's always me. And so I just feel like he doesn't want to have sex. I don't know how to, you know, make it better. I always, you know, say to him, it would be nice if you initiate it. You know, that way I feel you like you really want to have sex because I don't feel like he really wants to, but then if I don't initiate, then he gets mad, which sometimes I don't initiate just because of what he said or something. All right. And one one quick addition to this that I did edit out is that this is the second marriage for both of them. Right. So they've had some prior baggage that they've carried in. I guess that each of them, because there's no way you can go from relationship to relationship, regardless of if it's a marriage or just a serious dating relationship without it impacting current relationships. So, so they are going to have some patterns or some history that's probably playing out in their current situation. So as you, wow. as Corey stares at me, wow. all right, we, we, we uh, both, both kind of drew a blank for a second. So Michelle, one of the things that jumps out to me right off the bat is it's, t- it's talking about her frustration of being the, the leader or having to initiate it and him not being involved or engaged fully is what it sounds like. Not only just not initiating, but also not being involved in the sex that occurs. And it sounds like that is extremely frustrating to her. And so one of the things that comes out that jumps out to me is the idea that it sounds like the marriage or the relationship started with her being the leader of it. That she said, now that I think about it, I've always been the one that's initiated it or always right. been the one that's pursued it. And one of the things I think that's that's pretty common in a lot of relations in every relationship is the way things start is the way things kind of proceed. Is is it's it takes some real diligence and some real effort to shift roles fundamentally to where beyond just seasonal changes of life. Cause I do think there's ebb and flow as people grow and things come along or medical issues arise or different things that come up that do dramatically alter a system. If the system just naturally goes, it's, it pretty much functions the way it's always functioned from the very yeah. beginning. And there is a lot of frustration where she is not feeling appreciated. Michelle, we sense that you're not appreciated for the other things that you bring to the marriage, the cooking and the cleaning and the running the home. So that's obviously part of her way that she's expressing love. And then there's that frustration that he's not reciprocating. He's not appreciating that. And then he's not wanting to, to move towards her. So, um, it's hard, I think, for a man to want to make love to an angry woman. Yeah. Partly. Yeah. So a lot of mindset shift here is, you know, if we can say that I love somebody, you know, a lot of times we'll say, well, I love this guy, but I'm not in love with him. And part of how we we can feel better about our love towards somebody is by saying well we would ask you well how do you prove that you love them well obviously you can prove it by these things that you're doing the actions around the house and whatever so if you will change just your mindset towards those things as something that you're doing out of love and out of service because you love this person it will actually increase your feelings of love and make you more attractive 
Although, you know, like we said, obviously these patterns go way back. So chime in, Corey. Yeah. And the other thing is, it sounds like there's been some conversation about this, but maybe not outside of the heat of the battle. Right. Of trying to find ways that we've talked about this in several shows of one of the best ways to have conversations about sex with your spouse is when you're not involved in sex with your spouse or when it's not leading up to it or it's not coming down from it or being frustrated by it is is to have those conversations when it's on neutral ground and and you can bring up some of those things but it, it also seems that the, one of the things that trips up a lot of couples is the thought of I'll bring it up and that should solve it and because uh-huh. because obviously if I say what I want well then obviously they will do it because they mm-hmm. love me. Well, no, not at all. I mean, my wife knows some of the things I really <laughs> like. She doesn't do them. <laughs> you know, well, okay. That that's just the way it is. And and it's I don't think it's because she doesn't love me. It's just other things are on her mind or you know, other other priorities or just other things happening. So it's not as simple as, well, I I've said something, so now they should do it. And so when you go into those conversations, it's more about being true to your core and and taking care of you and your priorities than it is saying, hey, this is what I want and I want you to start doing it. Because even if, look at the opposite extreme, if they actually started doing everything you wanted, that's almost slavery and that gets boring too. Because there's no, there's no pushback. Agree? I don't know. I'd like to try it for a few weeks. (laughs) Well, for the honeymoon period would be fine. I'm just kidding. But that, but that will wear off. That's just like when you first fall, meet and fall in love with somebody. You know, you wake up one day and realize, who in the world am I married to? <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, absolutely, it feels like if you could get in a situation where the stressors are not so high. There's a lot of stress, obviously, in that relationship, there's stress around sex, there's stress around feeling appreciated, there's stress around a lack of communication. And so if you could create an environment that's just totally to bring pleasure to each other, and that would be a fun time to bring up. Talk about some kind of fantasies. Talk about um, what, what would be pleasurable. And then and instead of saying, well, it'd be nice if you came on to me sometimes. <laughs> well, and, and another thing you can do that, that it's, it's really simple, but it, it has dramatic uh, strength and power to it is make your bedroom only for sleeping and sex. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and get, make it beautiful. Yeah. Get rid of the TV. Get rid and of the laundry. work. Get rid of laundry that's strewn about. Get rid of all the different things that just typically clutter up a bedroom. Because what can one of the things that can disrupt... A romantic interlude more is tripping over stuff while you're making your way to the bed. Oh, yeah. Bills on on the desk. Yuck. And if you have an adjoining bathroom or wherever the bathroom is, same thing. Make it beautiful. Make it like a spa where you want to be together. Sex is a sensual experience on, you know, we give away that five keys to really great sex tonight, even if you're not in the mood on my website. And that's a big one Mm -hmm. about being able to get in touch with your senses and really minister to the senses. Right. And that also means don't even do the bills and work in your room because that energy I think hangs over. And so actually make your bedroom a sanctuary 
and let your kids know, especially if they're a little bit older. And I don't mean old as in teenagers. I mean old as in elementary school. Let them know in the evening when the door is closed, no knocking. You know, do not come in. Don't come interrupt us. This is mommy and daddy time. And and kind of claim that aspect of your life. And whether the sex is going on in there or not, doesn't matter. It could just be a great conversation while you're unwinding from the day. It could just be some flirting going on back and forth. I mean, who knows what's what's happening. But let the kids know this is mom and dad's bedroom. It's not playhouse. It's not, well, it is playhouse, but it's not, <laughs> it's adult playhouse. <laughs> just... But just kind of claim that in your life because that that's one of those things that it can get life can get so hectic and so chaotic yeah. that it can be really tough to claim our own space and, and claim our marriage space and make that sacred. And exactly. And so it's it's one of those I don't know, Michelle, there's the other thing that comes up from listening and, and thinking through your your message is something shifted at least you the way you mentioned it something shifted after the birth of your son or the birth right. of your child and this is one of those things that i think is out there and i've seen lots of different uh articles across the web about um trading hot mom for hot mama you mm-hmm. know, or, or hot wife for hot mom and yeah and it's that whole idea of a woman's shifting of of her body and her roles and and her identity and and one of the things I know as a husband that can that can trip up the sexual aspect of a marriage is when priorities shift as far as I'm no longer getting the attention from her that I once was because she is now a mom. And so she has to devote a lot of emotional energy and a lot of mental energy someplace else. And maybe some of that was coming mine and my way and now it's gone, you know. Sometimes a husband, as a, a, a sad part of us males, sometimes is we can be pretty good powders right up there along with some of the children, and that's not attractive. I know. No, it's not, revolting. It's not, it's not mainly at all because I hear I've heard <laughs> several women talking about I have several kids in my home and they're referring to their husband and among that and Ugh. that's on him in my book. That's he he needs to man up and 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 deal with that head on. But one of the things that can be done is along the lines of, of making the bedroom a sacred space is making the wife aspect of your life, the lover aspect of your life, a sacred part of you still. That yeah. that you are still not all the other roles, that you are still an erotic lover that is sexual and adventurous and playful and spontaneous, and whatever that may define to you but to still honor and claim that aspect of your life. Cause obviously it well, was there. And sometimes it's tempting as a mom, especially if you're a stay at home mom, good Lord, that was the hardest stage of my life. You don't feel sexy. If you even got a shower, you feel like that was your <laughs> highlight of your day. So you don't feel sexy. And sometimes you're just begging for relief from the kids. So it's not like you're feeling like, oh, I can't wait to put my sexy on and seduce my man when he gets home. <laughs> you just want to dump on him and, and leave right. when he walks in the door. So it is a matter of changing that whole dynamic and becoming intentionally uh, sexual, intentionally beautiful, and intentionally someone who celebrates the potential. And, and think back to when it was really great, even if in the last year there was one great hour what was different about that 
and see what you can learn from that and re recreate. Yeah. Yeah. There's and Michelle, if there's more, call us back. If we, if we left some stuff undone, because I mean, obviously there's no quick fixes to things mm -hmm. that happen in marriage. Um, but some little steps and some little shifts can sometimes go really long ways and, and, and do dramatic things for, for you and for your relationship. One of the thoughts that comes to my mind, and I'll just kind of close it out and we'll move on to some emails, is the idea that when you're looking at your marriage and, and you're looking at the sexual aspect of your marriage and, and your life, lots of times I think priorities can get to where the sex aspect of our life becomes more than just our life. It, it kind of, the priorities shift. And so we, we kind of lose, the, I think of it this way. If you look at marriage as in your life as, as making a cake, you want to make a great cake of a life so that you are doing lots of things that you're passionate about, that bring meaning to you, that bring energy to you. And that could be being with your kids. That could be work. That could be volunteering somewhere. That could be just being with friends, with peers, with your spouse, whatever it may be, but have a great cake of a life and let your marriage and your sex life be the icing on that cake. So you kind of keep it in perspective because it's a, it's a great barometer of how things are going, but it can also, when things aren't going well, it can get to where it's skewed and we, and we realize, wait, I still got a whole lot of life going on that's really good. My sex life may suck right now. <laughs> That's fine. I still have a, I have a lot of other aspects of my life that are really good. And if I will focus some of the energy there that I can pull from that, that will spill over into the other aspects of my life. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Good word. All right. So a couple of emails we've gotten, and there's, there's two that have been kind of hung out there for a while that we haven't gotten back to that are both from, from guys. And I'm just going to kind of paraphrase them. They're from Aaron and from Jason, and mm -hmm. they're, they're similar in that they're talking about they've, they've done lots of different things to create an atmosphere in their relationship for great sex. Um, they've tried to, one of them talks about he's, he's worked on creating a great incubator for romance, which that's a good, that's a good way to think about because <laughs> sexy texts, sweet notes, hugs, kisses, all these different things. That he's, that, he's, that he's done to try to create some romance in his marriage. But yet it has not increased the interest, the frequency, or the intensity of lovemaking that goes on in their relationship. And on, on another one, on from Aaron, talking about that same kind of concept, but there's also a medication involved that there's a side effect going on in his partner that has dramatically decreased her desire. Right. So there's similarities in those two, but there's also one glaring difference in that, that there's medication involved in one. Hmm. And so one aspect obviously is to go the route of whoever the primary care physician or whoever it is that's prescribing the medication. There's probably alternatives on the market that have different side effects that could be explored. And so a conversation with your physician might find an answer to that, or at least slightly. Yeah, that would be absolutely the first thing I would do if there's a medication issue, find the one that's known to not have that uh, sexual side effect and, and they would affect people differently. Um, and when, man, this is so interesting. Part of me is like, well, if the men would not have this agenda to really try to get something, then it might go better. But I think the fact is a lot of the women flat out – 
are uh, clueless about how painful that rejection is. So they're just really not. I, you could look at my girlfriends. My my best friends are all drop dead gorgeous, and you might assume that there's all this action going on because they're just so beautiful and sexy. And literally, they tell me all the time, I don't even think about having sex and I love my husband and one of my girlfriends said yesterday am I really supposed to want sex like every two weeks even more than than every, once every, every two, two weeks two. yeah she she said I don't want to do it that often I said <laughs> so it is there is something that has to happen just to bring awareness and 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 to let some things be communicated without any condemnation, but with just desire. And boy, I would say to the to the ladies, if you know your husband wants you sexually, it usually turns out to be a good idea. Getting in the habit of, of being intimate more often, we always say great sex begets more sex. Uh, boy, that's hard because we're speaking to the guys, of course, the women probably aren't on the show. Yeah. And, and it is, there's this, this falls into that idea of there's sex is a language. Right. And, and how you do sex is how you live life and how you live life is how you're going to do sex because those are interchangeable. Right. So there is something, one of the things that jumps out to me is what you just pointed out, Gina, of it can seem like you're crying, you're trying to create a romantic world or incubator, but there's Mm -hmm. an agenda attached possibly. Uh, and and a focus on the outcome, right? right. So it goes it's, back to that any kind of performance. If you're focused on the outcome, you're angry because you can't control it. Right. I don't care if you're Albert Pujols at bat. <laughs> you know, you cannot control the outcome. All you can do is swing for a certain pitch. Right. And so in your incubator, all you can do is revel in the process. Like, wow, I was thinking romantic thoughts. I was enjoy the process without trying to manipulate the outcome because you'll go nuts. Yeah. And it's interesting you went with the sports analogy because that's, that's what I think of is the true athletes and the true competitor um, acknowledges the fact that they're going to get beat sometimes. Absolutely. And and if they get beat by somebody that was just better, they tip their hat to them and they go have a drink with them sometimes afterwards. You know, it's just (laughs) that whole idea of I wasn't attached to the outcome. I was making sure I was performing at my best for me as, as my authentic me. Yeah. Playing my game. Right. I'm playing my game. So that idea of create a romantic world and a romantic incubator in your marriage, but don't be attached to the outcome and see what happens. See if that shifts some things. Cause, cause the email does talk about, she feels pressured. (laughs) <laughs> a lot. And how do you bring, how do I bring it up without it, it coming across as pressure? And, and one of the ways that I think of is, well, there's no way around the pressure. There's, there's pressure in every marriage for sex, for money, for saving, for travel, for everything. This goes back to the high desire, low desire concepts that we've talked about in a couple of shows prior to this, that there's, there's going to be pressure that's just inherent in every single system. So rather than saying, Hey, I want you to be involved in more sex more often, or I want you to be more interested in sex more often. It's all you can really do is, is share what you want for you, not for them of, of the idea of, I, I don't want to be in a sexless marriage or I want to have sex more often. 
And and then you just see what happens because there's no way around airing some of the things you want and not keeping them feeling pressured because of what you want. If she knows it's because you want to feel closer to her and because it makes you feel more significant to her, that goes a long way to putting her barriers down than feeling like you just are, she's just your sex relief toy. Right. Or stress relief. Sex release, both of them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it's it's one of those that there's no way around the conflict. And so one of the things you can do is lean into that conflict uh, more authentically in that you share what's going on at your core without trying to stipulate with what you want from them necessarily, without trying to control them. All you're doing is just saying, this is what I want. This is this is what I'm looking for. And if I don't get it, I'll make a decision accordingly. I mean, it's not—it's probably not as clear-cut as, well, it's, it's all or nothing. It's more, okay, maybe what comes around when I don't have an attachment to the outcome is actually much better than what I was looking for or what I expected. Yeah. And if she responds with a little bit of defensiveness and counters with, well, this is what I need, blank, you know, this, this, and this, that's not the time to put, you know, get all mad. It's time to say, hey, well, cool. Let, let's move forward together and, and reach each other more deeply and we'll all be sexier. Yeah, because there's, there's, there's all, every marriage, every relationship has those tough conversations. <laughs> Where, yeah, they're not fun. No, they're not. And they're they're kind of like seasonal, it seems. Too. <laughs> or the, monthly. <laughs> I'm not we gonna... used to have the same fight every month. Not enough sex. Ah. <laughs> so... <laughs> well, and that, that fits into the cycle that we have as humans, that, that male and female. I mean, obviously, the female one is the one that's publicized more on, mm-hmm. and, and it's more known of the cycle. But men have a cycle, too. And... And it, it's, it's beneficial to acknowledge that and know that there will be times that I'm at my best and times that I'm at my worst. And it's probably best to not have those tough, conflictual conversations when I'm at my worst. So sure. it's this whole, hey, I really want to talk about our sex life. You know, not now, but let's go on a date in a couple of days and, and we'll do it and we'll have a conversation. Or, you know, it's, it's kind of honoring yourself in your own mental status, if you will, to or have a coffee hour at, and talk about it then, and make a decision that during the date there's no—it's a no conflict conversation hour. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So decide how you want to do it. If you feel like, oh God, that would ruin a date, well then have it at, a, at some kind of hey coffee and cake hour, and yep. then go out later and and make it a no. No stressful conversation zone. Well, one of the things that's helped my wife and I is because when I was going through um, my training in grad school, you know, I get in, introduced to all kinds of different theories of, of systems and, and marriage and families and all that. And and the one I really align with is the whole concept of differentiation, which is the idea of marriage is really designed to grow us up and make us be better people, not make us happy. And that, that's kind of my conceptualization of what I what I believe. And so as I'm going through this whole process, there was lots of different conversations that we had. Because anytime, you know, one partner is going through something that's dramatically changing them, the other partner, unfortunately, gets the brunt of the change. Because they're the one who has to deal with the different philosophies or different views or different things you want to try. And so we had to come up with some code words. Because we would have those fights that you were talking about, Gina, that would just kind of be cyclical. 
that every so often it's like, well, here we go again. You know, it must be that time on the calendar or that time the second <laughs> month of the first year or whatever, you know, kind of it's clockwork. But And when we realized that the conversations we were having weren't personal, the conflict wasn't personal. It wasn't, it wasn't attack of character. It wasn't, I'm trying to knock you down. It wasn't trying to, I'm trying to take sex out of your life completely. Never again. Can you have sex ever again with anybody else? It was nothing like that. It was more about us and who we wanted to become. And more importantly, that that was the pressure of the relationship working on me to become a better person. Yeah. Which meant I had to be more honest about some things. But I always hated being honest because if I, I knew if I was honest with my wife, I was going to hurt her feelings some. <laughs> we would have those and I'd, and he'd say, see, this is yeah. why I didn't want to and beat that's, it up. And that's just it. It's, it's tough to do that. And so we came up with the phrase, in the interest of differentiation, and, and that was kind of our catchword of here comes some brutal honesty, but I'm not doing it personally to hurt you. I'm doing it for us as a couple to be better. And what it did is that allowed us each to up the honesty in our relationship. And which meant when I would share something and it got kind of tense, I could say, look, honey, in the interest of differentiation, this is what I really think. And that doesn't mean it's what's going to happen. And that doesn't mean I'm trying to railroad her into coming around to my way of thinking. It was more, I got to be true to me. And then I, when you are true to you, an elegant solution typically arises. There you go. When those happen. Because we do so many, what is it, point-counterpoint or strategic kind of arguing that actually if you get right down to it, it's manipulation. And it's, right. it's I'm trying to win or I'm trying to get my way. Well, in, in marriage, you know full on, if you've, if you've spent any time with a person in your house in the same bed, you don't get your way a lot of times. Right. And neither does she or neither does he. It's it's more about how do you navigate, though, and still be true to you and then in turn true to each other. And yeah, and, and celebrate what is. Yeah. And so it's just coming up with a little phrase that allows you to just kind of take the gloves off without really hurting each other. But it allows you to say what needs to be said, because that that's a game changer. Because it ups the intensity in both of you to really be active in your own life and in your own marriage. Yep. And when you can do that, th seriously, I, I really believe the solutions start to present themselves that you hadn't even thought of and that Gina nor I could even give you because yeah. it's so specific to your relationship that you've got to come up with the ways that work for you. Because, you know, when it comes to stats and research and all the different things that are out there, you know, they, they tell you kind of what the normal is, but mm. when, you, when you're talking about normal, the way I think of it is when you're looking at normal, I think of the weather forecast. Well, the normal high for today is 76 degrees, but in 1963, it was 95, you know, well, <laughs> that still incorporates normal if you get right down to it. And so it's more about what's authentic or what's real and what works for you. All right, then. <laughs> well, In the interest of differentiation, that's good doctor talk there that, in that your is, house. That's good psychobabble. <laughs> that's good. But it, it's what worked. Now Now it's one of those, I think it's changed to in the interest of growing up. There you go. Because if we would have started with that, I would have thought she was calling me a baby and I would have pouted <laughs> and been, been all sad <laughs> and been a baby about it. But But now we can say some of those honest things. And actually, we don't even use that catchphrase anymore. We're just honest. Sure. 
And, sure. and that's really shifted a, a ton of things in our marriage. It's changed our parenting. It's changed our relationship. It's changed our sex because we can be, we can be real. We can be honest. And that's, that's what we want for you. Yep. And you have to go into it believing that the answers are there, not believing, not resigning to uh, martyrdom. You, you've got to believe there's answers. We believe for you. We believe in you. Yeah, because there are answers. And that's the thing I think of the, the elegance of marriage is it is such an elegant dance that with the right partner, which you, you already have with, you know, you already have the right partner. So just be more involved in your own dance and see what, what unfolds. Let's talk about Yep. So radio.com. We'd love your feedback. We'd love your thoughts. Uh, send us an email, feedback at sexymarriageradio.com or call the helpline, 615-567-3996. Uh, this is Dr. Corey Allen, along with Gina Paris. Yep. We're, glad, we're glad you so, were with us. You bet. So go have lots more sex. It's a good thing. <laughs> have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Let's talk about